morning, everyone. This is Larry with Restoring the Farmstead podcast. Today is March 4th, 2016, and I'm sitting up here at the farmhouse. It is about 5.30 in the morning, having come up early to take care of the goats, as well as taking care of the kitty cats that are sitting in here by the heating stove. Uh, They love getting up and getting some wet food and then coming in and warming up before I throw them back outside into the cold. Uh, We have had a little bit more cold again. Uh, 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 There's been a change in the weather. We're going back and forth. It's been the end of February, 1st of March. Uh, We had uh, a really nice weekend uh, uh, and then followed by a snow dump. And then we had an okay weekend again, and now it's gotten cold, but this weekend it's looking to be good again with some 50-degree weather. I'm planning on coming back up to the farm tomorrow to do some work. One of the things I'm going to need to do is a little bit of ditching. The uh, As we were uh, finding a location for the main goat pen, uh, there was a, a sloping hillside, not a very steep slope, but just a gentle slope that was next to the garden, so it wouldn't be too far to uh, uh, take some of the, the the used hay and put it over onto the garden. But uh, we didn't. I didn't look that close at the rest of the the sloping, and as I stand back now, having uh, seen the consequences, it does look like the barn lot. The entire barn lot has a gentle slope right towards the goat pen. So consequently, as things thaw or as there is rain, guess what gets soaked? And that is the goat pen. Even under the new uh, shelter, 18 foot by 18 foot shelter, uh, that's keeping the rain off. But it is a muddy mess now. Uh, because not because the we had snow or or rain blowing in, it's just that everything seems to slowly uh, creep through the grass, creep through the garden, and get soaked into uh, the the dirt and and the mud. Uh, there's there's some really sloppy areas that the goats are having to walk through. So as we uh, are coming into a, a good weekend, I want to do some initial ditching. Uh, to try to direct the water away from the goat pen and then follow that up with creating a, a bit of a berm uh, on the uh, uh, the uphill side of the goat, hen, uh, goat pen, get that built up some to help direct the water even more. So hopefully it won't be an ongoing problem because, well, the, the big shelter is, while it's technically not permanent, I don't want to move it anytime soon. So those are some things that I need to to get done is is get some some water paths set up. We're getting close also to the date uh, when we may be starting to have babies. Uh, Dawn is very tickled about the the baby goats coming, so need to uh, get some uh, some more work done regarding that. We're we're going to look at as ha- uh, setting up an area inside. The machine shed that will be the uh, hopefully the birthing area, and keep them in there for a little bit of time before we move them into individualized pens uh, with the canopy or the um, the carport shelter. So, lots of things to do there. 
Um, also noticed as I went into the machine shed to get some hay this morning to uh, to feed the bucks, uh, I saw some things knocked over and I thought, uh-oh, do we have a varmint again? And I walked around the corner to where the cat feed is, which I had filled up to the top, which should last at least a week, and it was almost all gone, and the sack where we throw uh, a lot of the the old cans for the uh, the wet food when we feed them out in the machine shed, it was all knocked over and cans scattered. So we either have a raccoon or we have a possum. So it looks like I may be back up tonight uh, to uh, uh, spend the night, set the trap out there, the live trap, and uh, see if we can catch what's coming in and eating the cat food. Don't mind them being out and about. Just don't want them eating the cat food. <laughs> so uh, that's taking place. Let's see. Uh, otherwise, the bucks are doing good. They're getting. Uh, they're warming up more to dawn. We have this great goat candy that I call goat cocaine because they really like it, and uh, it has a licorice scent to it. And uh, the bucks, they have been oh fairly standoffish, especially Rocky. And what Dawn said yesterday was that Rocky came up to her and nudged at her leg several times in order to get more and more of the uh, the goat candy. So that's kind of neat because he is he has been the one that is most standoffish. Let's see a little bit on the bees. This past Saturday, our bee club, Crossroads Beekeepers, we had an advanced bee school. Uh, we had uh, Grant Gill Gillard. I believe is his name, if I'm remembering correctly. He came and did four different presentations throughout the day. We had about 45 people in attendance, and it was really good. And one of the things that I really liked was he talked about a method that he had learned in a book uh, and has been putting into practice as far as how to take a hive uh, in the, the early spring and put it on a schedule, get it on a specific schedule, where you take the hive, and uh, after you get it fed up good uh, in the uh, the early spring, then about mid-April, just before swarm season starts, you uh, you split the hive. You do what's called a reverse split, which is you just pull out the queen in a couple of frames with uh, with uh, some brood, some open space, uh, some honey and uh, pollen, and you set her up in a nuke, you know, smaller hive, and let her just gradually start growing that back up again into a, a fully functioning hive. The established hive, without having any uh, queen, will start raising a replacement queen. You come back a week later, after the queen cells have uh, been capped off, and you destroy all of them except for two. And that reduces uh, uh, the potential of having multiple swarms uh, if more than one queen survive emerging. And then you, uh, you work them kind of on a calendar to grow them and to split them. And if, uh, if this process works, if everything goes according to plan, by the time you get to mid-July, you're harvesting off of what started off as one hive. You're harvesting three uh, supers of honey 
plus you create a total of eight nucleus hives, of which I could keep two, which I would then keep growing through the fall so that they would make it through winter good. And the other six, I would be able to sell as midsummer nucleus hives that others could buy and and grow uh, throughout the fall and get them ready for winter. They would all be able, they would all have new queens at the end. And this sounds very appealing because selling the nukes and selling the honey would provide a greater income uh, from that hive, uh, allow for a purchase of additional equipment, double the size of the of the apiary, uh, and and make it uh, truly profitable. So I'm tickled about this. It makes sense. It seems to follow uh, basically kind of the, the bee's natural way of doing things. So um, I'm excited. I think it. I think it will be uh, be a good thing. So first step I need to do is complete my inventory, clean up old frames, see what equipment I'm going to need to buy in order to pull this off, as well as what equipment to make. So probably uh, so I've got seven nucleus boxes. I'm definitely going to need to have more. Uh, I I may change the style a little bit, uh, but. Uh, uh, going to more of a flexible style. The ones that I have now, uh, you you can't add anything really to them. Uh, the bottom board is attached. Uh, so I need to uh, make some modifications and build some more, which means I have to get my table saw up and running. Uh, about a year ago, uh, my table saw, uh, it, the motor burned out. So I took it into Lang Electric in Effingham, uh, the owner there, he was friends with my dad for years and years, uh, uh, as both being electricians. And so I brought that motor in and he, he took one look at it and he said, oh my, that's an old motor. And I said, yeah, probably. How old do you think it is? And, uh, his estimate was probably about 70 years old, which, well, that kind of fits with uh, with the time frame that I would be thinking on it. Unfortunately, it's not going to be able to be repaired. It's uh, uh, They don't make parts for that anymore. So I'm going to need to uh, purchase another uh, motor so I can get the table saw going and uh, build the, uh, the woodenware equipment that I'm able to. So things are, are picking up on the bees. And the goats, we they've been out in the big pasture some, or, well, the, the woods pasture, I guess we need to call it. I also, last weekend, uh, fixed up the uh, water trough area down there so that they, you know, hopefully they won't be falling into it or, you know, I uh, don't want them drowning. I don't want them getting uh, too wet when we still have cold weather. Uh, they will be able to do some drinking from it. I've got that set up, but... Uh, otherwise, uh, they've got full full range. Uh, a little concern, uh, the other day whenever I came up, uh, it was about 6.30 in the evening, it was dark, and as soon as I got out of the truck, I heard coyotes. And I could point my finger in any direction, and there was a different den or pack of coyotes howling. All the dogs in the neighborhood were barking, and it was rather unnerving uh, as I, I look over to where the goats are, and the idea that we've got this this larger area fenced off, 
Uh, it's got four rows of electric fence, but still, um, is it truly predator-proof enough? And that that was bothering me, and it bothered Dawn as well. So we've been doing some investigation this week as far as protection animals. Uh, the one that I was leaning to just from some of the, the initial research I had done was a donkey. Uh, they will... Uh, they will definitely beat up and kill uh, coyotes if they if they get close. But in doing some more research and posing the question to others that have uh, goat herds, we found that may not be the best idea. There was a lot of uh, people who had had very bad experiences with donkeys either injuring or killing their goats if they didn't get uh, completely... Uh, acclimated to having goats in their pen. There was a few people that had good experiences, but there was there was definitely more that were, were saying, don't get donkeys. Um, we don't really want to have dogs up here uh, uh, unless, because, right now because we don't live at the farm and we're current concerned with would the, uh, you know, how much training would we be able to do if we weren't here? So we're right now we're just going to uh, kind of hope for the best, and I'm looking at putting up a fifth line of electric fence wire uh, so that if there was any dogs, you know, coyotes wanting to jump, uh, they would be, you know, a little bit more, uh, uh, well, there'd be just a little bit more protection at the higher level, and hopefully that's going to uh, work to keep the goats safe. But otherwise, um, I think the rest of the stuff is going fairly smooth. Looking forward to spring, looking forward to more and more nice weather, and to see what 2016 brings for restoring the farmstead. So I will wrap up so I can get back to town and uh, get ready for work. So hope you all have a great day and a great week. Take care and God bless.